0: And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast.
1: Ready to form Voltron!
2: I am Batman! This is a job for Superman!
1: Right
0: away, Michael. Autobots! Transform!
2: <laughs> By the power of Grey For
0: the honor of Grey I'm the Doctor.
1: Seven of charlie's geek cast i am your host charlie neymar and today we are returning to 1983 for more bronze age superman goodness this time out neutron returns and superman has to deal with that so we're going to take a quick break for a promo or two and i'll be right back with the issue charlie's geek cast will return after these promos you like cheap comic books right The Quarterbin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast on iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny.
0: my name is michael bailey and i like superman like a lot like he's my favorite character i like him so much that i have podcasted about the man of steel more than any other character back in 2017 i started a show called it all comes back to superman to serve as the monthly reaffirmation of my kryptonian faith well the monthly thing hasn't worked out but i'm hoping to change that in 2020 This year there will be at least one episode a month of the show and most of those will be part of a series I'm calling Superman is for Everybody. Superman is for Everybody springs from my desire to talk to people that have channeled their love and affection for the character into other avenues like cosplay or podcasting or academia. New episodes will drop in the first or second week of the month with special episodes popping up at random because that's how I roll apparently. It all comes back to Superman as part of the Fortress of Bailey BaileyTube podcasting network, which can be found at www.fortressofbaileyTube.com. The show is available through Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, and it's even on Spotify. It all comes back to Superman. Because really, it does. Give me a few minutes and I'll make the connection. Why are you walking away? I'm not done talking to you yet.
1: We now return to Charlie's Geekcast. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he's known as mild-mannered TV newsman Clark Kent, who battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Issue is Action Comics number 543. It had a cover date of May 1983, and an on sale date of February 24th, 1983, and a cover price of 60 cents. The title of the story is Within These Hands Power. Written by Marv Wolfman, penciled again by Kurt Swan, and inked by Dave Hunt, lettered by Ben Oda, colorist was Gene D'Angelo, and the editor was, of course, Julie Schwartz. Now, the cover is uh, by Ross Andrew and Mike DiCarlo, and it shows a decimated downtown metropolis with buildings and even the road on fire. In the center, we have Neutron, the nuclear nightmare, holding the limp form of Superman up by the cape with one hand while thrusting the other into the air and shouting, I've won! Personally, I think it's a great cover. The destruction is very detailed, and it's pretty obvious what has happened here. Also, the only thing that isn't orange or yellow is superman's costume it's kind of cool and it kind of makes him the focal point even though technically he isn't um and because of the fact that the only two figures are so small it doesn't have any DiCarlo overpowering the inking so it's not bad metropolis prison where superman is currently testifying at a parole hearing for neutron the nuclear nightmare Superman, quite understandably, feels that Neutron needs to stay in prison because his powers are uncontrollable. However, Neutron's lawyer gives a sympathetic retelling of Neutron's origins that, when coupled with the psychiatric reports telling of Neutron's improved mental state, lead the parole board to grant the parole. But as he leaves, Neutron has plans to destroy the Man of Steel. Sometime later, or maybe at that same moment, it's not really clear. Once again, time is fluid in the world of Superman comics. We're in the Middle East, where Lois meets up with Ali Kayyem and Prime Minister Ben David to discuss the joint interview she's supposed to be conducting, but she runs into roadblocks. Ali Kayyem no longer wants to be anywhere near his enemy, and Ben David, who still wants to conduct the interview, has this long list of crazy demands that basically make the interview pointless. At some point in Metropolis Park, Lana and Clark are enjoying a romantic carriage ride through the park. They're about to kiss, when they're interrupted by a loud explosion as opposed to those quiet ones. You know? Before Clark can come up with an excuse to leave, Lana tells him to call a camera crew while she heads off to get the story. This leaves him free to change to Superman, who finds that Neutron is destroying a building. While yelling that he has to do this, he uses his nuclear punch to knock Superman back, then kicks some dirt to blind Superman while he rips open his suit to escape his energy. But Superman starts flying around him at super speed, basically creating a makeshift cyclotron. Rather than have his atoms dispersed all over the place, Neutron returns to his suit and Superman returns him to prison. After returning to WGBS and changing back to Clark, he runs into Lana, who asks for a rain check on the rest of their date. When he hears Perry yelling at his video display terminal, which apparently just lost an entire story, Clark asks about Lois. After Perry brings him up to speed on the peace talks, he decides to try to go cheer her up by visiting her as Superman. Picking her up from her hotel, they head out to the North Pole to talk. After both expressing their love of the wonders of nature, Lois asks why he doesn't do more to stop war. He basically explains that he can't impose his will on people because despite his abilities, he's still just a man. Lois doesn't like that answer, especially with the Middle East on the brink of war. But before this argument can go any further, they decide to end their date. Superman offers to take Lois home, but she'd rather just go to the airport so she can think. After dropping Lois off at the airport in Fairbanks, Alaska, Superman returns to Metropolis to find Neutron free and causing more destruction. Our hero tries to stop him and a fight ensues, although the crowd, which includes Lana and Jimmy, are wondering why Superman started the fight in the first place. Not letting that slow him down, Superman brings the fight to an end by wrapping Neutron up in his indestructible cape. At this point, Inspector Henderson and Neutron's lawyer arrive to reveal to Superman that Neutron had been hired by the building's owners to demolish it. See, since he was paroled, Neutron is now in the demolition business. That's what he was doing the previous night, and that's what he's doing now. And once again, Superman is threatened with being sued for an unprovoked attack, as well as a restraining order to keep him away from Neutron. Speaking of Neutron, he takes this time to hand Superman his business card, which reads, Neutron Nuclearonics, a division of Abraxas Industries. While Superman flies off to confront Vandal Savage, Lana concludes her coverage by wondering what is happening to Superman. At Abraxas, Superman asks to speak to Savage privately. In his office, Savage tells Superman all about his plans to discredit the Man of Steel and turn him into a laughingstock. All while appearing to be a legitimate businessman that Superman can't touch. In frustration, Superman lashes out by destroying a desk with his heat vision. Realizing that he's starting to get to Superman, Savage just laughs as Superman flies away. Next issue, the 45th anniversary of Superman in action. Alright, on to the notes. Uh, page 1 on here, uh, considering his powers and his intentions last time, I'm not really sure how Neutron could even be considered for parole, let alone have it granted, but you know what do I know? Pages 4 through 6, I really feel sorry for Lois here. Her story is falling apart before it even has a chance to start. Page 9, can someone explain this one to me? Earlier, Neutron's lawyer told that parole board that without a suit, Neutron would die because he's a being of pure energy. That makes sense. There's a member of the Legion that's like that. Superman even had that same thing happen to him in the in the mid-90s. Yet here, on this page, he, he himself states that he's ripping open his suit to escape. Then on page 10, when he gives up, he's back in his suit again, and it's fixed. Now, if he's anything like Superman was when he was an energy being in the mid-90s, I say mid-90s, it was like 96 and 97 and 98 97 basically anyway if he's anything like that neutron may have been able to use his power to actually fix the suit with a little concentration kind of like superman used to do with his suit but why would leaving the suit even be an option if he's supposed to die outside of it all right page 14 so i guess lois checked out of her room somewhere between the panels and what about her luggage? She's got nothing on her. She's at an airport. She has no ID, no purse, uh, nothing. Page 15, Lois knows Superman better than this. It's almost like she's trying to provoke him or something. They've been together long enough by this point that she would understand why he doesn't interfere with politics and stuff or it would have been a problem a long time ago. I mean, come on. It's like they're just trying to add problems that really shouldn't be there anymore. Page 16, Lois is dropped off in Fairbanks, Alaska again. She doesn't have her luggage, no ID. Hopefully her purse is maybe wrapped up, was wrapped up in the Superman cape with her because we don't see it. So she has no ID or any money in which to purchase a plane ticket back home. Come to think of it, this is actually very irresponsible and stupid of her. Why not go back to the Middle East so she could get her stuff? She hasn't informed Perry of any of this, so she's basically gone AWOL. Plus, I would imagine that a last-minute ticket from Fairbanks, Alaska to Metropolis would not be cheap. We're talking way out in Alaska all the way to the continental United States East Coast. But you know what? This is going to come back and bite her very shortly. So I guess it's a moot point. It's kind of set up this way. But it is amazing how out of character she is right now. Even concerning the whole breakup with Superman. She is just not acting like Lois. Page number 23, Superman is told that his meeting with Savage is being videotaped, and he still blasts the desk with his heat vision. Granted, they keep changing the visibility of heat vision beams in this era, so I don't know how obvious it would look on camera that Superman actually blasted it himself. Also, while it isn't stated outright, there must not be an audio recording to go with the video or Savage would not be so bold as to explain his plans to Superman. I'm also guessing that the camera is behind Savage so that you can't read his lips either. Overall, this ups the tension a little bit, but it seems like character was sacrificed to fit the plot. After noting that characterization seemed consistent in the Superman issue, here it seems to be a bit off again. The art is great, but the fact that Swan and Hunt are on month two of doing art for both books is starting to show a little bit. Uh, It's just not quite as polished so but that's it for this issue the number one song when the issue was released was baby come to me by patty austin with james ingram so that's what's playing us out right now when i return we'll get to some feedback
0: thinking back in time when love was only in my mind i realized ain't no second chance you've got to hold on to romance Don't let it slide There's a special kind of magic in the air When you find another heart that needs to share
1: Charlie's GeekCast will return after these promos.
2: Hey, everybody. My name is Trennis Magnus. I host a show called Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, a podcast dedicated to comics, movies, and TV shows. During the course of my show, I've talked about horror movies, comic book back issues, old Star Trek episodes season-by-season analyses of Smallville, and so much more. Heck, I've even talked about prose novels a few times. You never quite know what's coming next with Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, and that's the whole fun. So, check out Trennis Magnus Punches Reality, a proud member of the Two True Freaks podcast network. New episodes of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality can be found every Tuesday on iTunes and at twotruefreaks.com. But you don't understand. There was the high school episode and the future episode where they had a daughter. Of course, Milhouse is in game.
1: Yes. And Lisa is so fulfilled in all of those. In fact, there's that Christmas episode where she's so fulfilled by him that who is she calling Nelson? You know why? Because they are end game. It's almost stupid to even discuss it. This show's been going on for, like, so long that there's so many different future scenarios. It's, like,
2: it's been 30 years. Yeah, that's true. That reminds me of Stella and her podcast, Batgirl to Oracle. She's had a pretty healthy run. How long do you think it will last?
0: <laughs> Forever. Ooh, let's give Stella a call. Hello?
2: Hey, hey Stella. Stella.
0: Why are you guys using Skype? Don't you want a feed time?
2: No. Hmm.
1: Don and I were just talking about BTO and how long it's lasted. Remember when
0: we were kids, you didn't think it would go very far? What? What are you talking about? Stella, how long are you going to do this show? Meh. Ten episodes a year. We'll come forth. Ha!
2: You won't make it that long!
0: you a yeah, and girls have cooties. Gee, you guys really were supportive back then. We made up for it. By doing what? Mansplaining? And cast casplaining. Ugh. Well, anyway... 2020 is going to be a milestone we've got the 10th anniversary in december and of course the 200th episode after that
2: what are you planning on doing
0: call and show for listeners will be scheduled in december and the 200th is going to feature some very special guest reviewers hopefully Ooh, i'll be sure to free my calendar not you you're no fly on with backroll the oracle in 2020
1: we now return to Charlie's geekcast the only feedback we have for this episode was left at charliesgeekcast.com, and it was written by our friend Dave McIlvaney, who, by the way, I want to thank for sending such wonderful postcards to me and my children and my wife. We all love them, and even the kids have referred to you now as that guy who sends us postcards. So, thanks, Dave. Anyway, Dave wrote, I like this story, but I have a couple of questions that are probably only answerable by the writer, Carrie Bates. And maybe not even by him. The ancient people who built Robrox left him under what would become Metropolis when Earth was still a molten mass. That's quoted. Why would they care what might happen to Earth when, if it was still a molten mass, it must have been entirely devoid of life? But there were ancient people. It was an ancient civilization unless they were visiting. That's the only thing. Is if Maybe they were visiting and they looked at Earth as an experiment because it's a young planet. I'm putting too much into this because this is a kid's comic. I, I, I think we're both thinking too much. Anyway, also, how did Robrox seem to know, A, that Superman was about to use his heat vision to de-ice the plane's wings when he hadn't yet seen Superman use heat vision to even know he had such a power, let alone that he was about to use it? And B, that using his heat vision would cause the death of all life on Earth? Talk about accurate predictions on the basis of no data whatsoever. Huh. You bring up a good point, Dave. My only thing is... There was a telepathy thing going on. I think that's how they were talking. But near the end. If I'm right. When they were in space. So, maybe he knew Superman was about to use his heat vision. Because that was going through his mind. I don't... And maybe at the same time that Superman was about to gear up to use his heat vision. He could sense because his he must have some sort of sensors that picked up the whole fact that superman had all this extra energy in him so maybe he could sense that that him about getting ready to use his heat vision was about to activate whatever the doomsday problem is granted i don't know how i still don't know how you knew that the heat vision would do what it did or that the power problem would do what it did but you know again this is these are comics. Granted, this is DC. They're not for children anymore. Or they're not just for kids, or whatever the motto was. Anyway, I was glad to hear your dedication of this episode to Martin Pasco. He was one of my favorite writers of comic books, and I also enjoyed his writing for TV, particularly the episode Happy Birthday, Buck, from Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Well, thanks, Dave. Martin Pascoe played such a big role, not only in DC's Bronze Age, but in Superman, that I could not just let that slide by. But if you'd like to be like Dave, uh, you can do it three ways. Number one, you can go to charliesgeekcast.com and leave a comment on the show posting. Number two, you can go to Superman of the Bronze Age and go to the show posting and leave a comment there. Because for the Superman of the Bronze Age episodes, I am also posting them there because that site is still active from other stuff. Number three, you can, you can send an email to charliesgeekcast.com. Either way you do it, I will read them on the air, unless you specifically ask me not to. That is it for this episode. I will see you next time when we cover Superman number 384, I believe, uh, which will be gearing up for Action 544, which is going to be a big deal and uh, probably a longer episode. So I will see you all then. And until then, you know, make sure your news is good news. Bye. Thank you for listening to Charlie's GeekCast. Feedback for the show can be sent to charliesgeekcast at gmail.com, or you can feel free to leave a comment at the show's posting at charliesgeekcast.com. All images and music heard on the show are copyrighted by respective copyright holders and are used for entertainment purposes only. No infringement is intended. Charlie's GeekCast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Please be sure to stop by Two True Freaks to check out more great shows. Thank you again for listening, and good night.